finally back the deadlock podcast after an extended hiatus has finally returned life gets in the way it is all good we all gotta work those things out get back into the saddle and continue to produce content for you guys because we truly appreciate everybody coming out and supporting as always shout out to everybody that came out for the ufc 280 live recap that was pretty much as soon as the main event wrapped up me and clint decided to go uh, live and, and talk to you guys and we got a lot of good feedback about that we hope that we can build some momentum with it and uh keep the train rolling as you guys obviously know i'm your co-host manpreet aka mma lock of the night and mma lotn on all social media platforms we got my guy clint from the Die Hard mma podcast you guys can follow him over there at Die Hard mma pod and uh clint we are kind of i i hinted at it. i i dropped it on twitter a little bit already we're gonna we kind of already tried to do it but i feel like this is something that uh may even be easier uh dropping the bells and whistles dropping the you know last time we went offline i i even told you i'm like i felt like i just let my i just turn on the off switch or turned off the switch and i don't want to do that like i want to have a legitimate conversation with you i don't want an agenda i don't want you know something okay we got to hit these points we got to do this segment got to do that let's just talk about the thing that got us to where we are and that's the betting and that's the bets and you know eyeing certain lines seeing where the live movement is and all that type of stuff so um i think the people will likely enjoy this iteration of the show because this is what they know us for they don't care about what we think about jake paul versus anderson silva they want to know sure. how we would have bet it if that was anything right that was that was about it so before we get into the actual show how are you doing my friend it's it's good to see you as always I'm doing. I'm doing, man. I, I like that we did not pre-plan this. We got a little uh, fire versus ice thing going on with the red versus blue here. Uh, I'm rocking <laughs> the Coyotes gear. It's technically my, purple. <laughs> my Yotes had a, a big upset win last night that was a nice. good time. And yeah, like so for everybody tuning in that has continued to support us as we struggle to get the Deadlock podcast off the ground, um, we kind of just felt like we weren't being true to ourselves. You know, we, we kind of felt like we were trying to outline things and, and we did the fun little games. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong. There was some stuff that we did that we thought was fun and it was goofy and AG, yeah. there weren't enough people that were really on board with it. And we were just kind of like, what the hell are we doing? Like we're gamblers. We're betters. Like, why are we forcing this to be something that's, uh, I don't know. So we, guys right now, the plan is we're just going to have some fun. Like we're, we're not going to have a, we're not going to schedule this thing out. We're not going to try and, you know, make sure we hit these certain time frames or checkpoints or anything like that. We're just going to talk fights and we're going to talk bets. We might look ahead a week because we're still doing the bi-weekly thing right now. We might talk about fights that we do and or don't have bets for this week. And we can talk about like, if there's a bet that we haven't made what we're holding back from, it's not, it's not going to be your usual breakdown. Cause we still do that already two or three times a week already. We don't need a third one. Um, yeah. So it's going to be mostly just to kind of chill, shoot the shit and uh, bring back the gambling talk type of setup. So man, I'm excited. I, I think this is going to be fun. And I think you and I will be a little less stiff. And I think uh, yeah. hopefully the chat will enjoy it a little bit better. We'll, we'll get into it. 
Because, dude, we we like after we went offline the last time we did this, we talked for like another forty five minutes about the bets we wanted to make and all the type of uh, other yeah. things, right? Like, obviously, we'll keep it on more on topic in terms of the gambling stuff, but like, it felt so easy. It felt like we didn't need to put on a show or anything like that. And I feel like once we start talking about bets, and especially where we have spots where we're head to head on certain spots, we'll we're gonna have some disagreements. We'll have some spots where we'll be like. Clint, you're you're fucking off on this one, or you're gonna be like, man, for you're you know, take off my conspiracy tinfoil hat and fucking give it back to me, send it back to Arizona. Like, I want those types of discussions, and I think that's what a lot of people will be looking forward to here. So, I think the best jumping off point for every show would be just to you know list our bet one by one, talk about it, and just see you know what you feel about it, what I feel about it get as much as we can out of it, move on to the next bet and go on from there. I would love to see if there are any head-to-head spots that we have. And I don't, like, obviously sometimes I see your picks on Twitter, but I want to try not to see them. So I'm kind of more so surprised whenever I, we talk about it on this Deadlock podcast and you guys can get my genuine reaction to those uh, those bets. So um, why, why don't you kick it off? Why don't you let us know first play that you made for this card Let's dissect it. Let's talk about it. I'll drop mine on the back. And if I have one that's head-to-head with yours, we can obviously talk about that straight out. But uh, let's let's go over our bets. So I'll let you kick it off. What's the first one that you made? Yeah, man. First bet that I pulled the trigger on for this week was uh, Ramona Pascal. I'm going back to the well. I'm going after my girl again. Um, last week, Locke was one of those spots for me where if I had just dug my damn heels in, if I just dug my heels in and went, you know what? Fuck the noise. Fuck the record. Fuck the analysis. I am trusting my reads on these fighters. I could have taken home the whole bag. Like, oh, yeah. Treshawn Gore is a guy who I've been trying to bet on the last couple fights. And he gets starched in round one the last time out. So what do I do? Can't do it again this time, man. Can't do it again. Of course he gets the win, right? Of course he gets the win. <laughs> I stuck and, to my guns there, Clint. I, I oh, good call, there. man. I, I I bet him against Brundage. I bet him against uh, Fremdier ever so slightly, but I kind of hedged it with the under two and a half in a sense, right? Just in case his durability wasn't really all there after getting, you know, flatlined three months prior to that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you, Clint. I don't know if I'll back to Sean Gore again after that performance because it kind of looked like rough. it was becoming a Josh Fremd fight. Like, I'm like, oh, I might have to. This might be a Fremd via decision type of spot. Like, Dude, Sean Gore's durability is fine. <laughs> I Let me tell you how powerful my curse is right now. I live bet Fremd. And I got oh, such a sick number, dude. Oh, 56 I got seconds plus, later. <laughs> I got plus 150. And as soon as I put the tweet out, people are like, bro, where the fuck are you getting this number? Because he was like minus 250 everywhere. Yeah. Just like moments later. And then he immediately sticks his neck in a guillotine. I was like, oh, <laughs> no. Anyway, so that happened. And then same thing with me wanting to bet Roman the leads. Just because I never yeah. have been a believer in this phil haws 2.0 thing i've always tried to fade phil haws i see the weaknesses in the game you know he's chinny and that was a bit of a freak incident right like his knee pops out i mean roman caused it obviously but you can't count on something like that happening i did think roman might be able to clip him at some point and put him out did i go to the well with it no no i did not but i was right on both these guys it hasn't come to fruition recently 
but I could have attacked those spots this week and I just didn't have the balls to kind of sack up and do it. So that's what I'm doing here with Ramona. Now it's women's MMA, obviously so far sketchier. Maybe I'm stepping into my own self-created trap, but basically I don't think much of Vidal, man. I don't think she's very good. I think she makes bad decisions. We've seen her quit. She'll look for the DQ if she can take it. She's worse actor than Aljamain Sterling is. And <laughs> frankly, if you're gonna fight Ramona and give Ramona an opportunity to win, you got to grapple. If, yeah. if if she has the chance to use that physicality and launch those big, powerful knees to the body that she has, like someone I've learned, like Jocelyn Edwards, is going to stay on the outside, never give her that opportunity. What Vidal does, though, is closes the distance, clinches up with you, tries to pin you up against the fence, and then gasses out. So, like, she's going to literally bring the exact fight that Ramona needs to Ramona. So I'm like, all right, all right, chips on the table. You know, zip, nutsack. All right, we're going Ramona. And uh, I'm just going to be terrified for this first fight of the night. So I've got Ramona. I got uh, plus 125, I think. So the line is moving my direction, it looks like. Um, glad to hear that there's been some travel issues and the fight's still <laughs> on, it sounds like. So, yeah, you know, that's good. We'll, we'll see how it goes, man. I'm not overly confident, but I think Ramona beats this girl. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to see that Ramona actually opened up around plus 200. Oh, oh my God. Plus 200. Wish and, I got that. Shout out um, Pepe, man. I saw our guy on Twitter, Pepe Silva. Yeah. He got plus 200. I'm like, I would be all over that number if I could have got it. Of course, yeah. And now it's all the way down to plus 125 like you were talking about. I got in on Pasqual myself. I got in at plus 135. I, I thought that's a good uh, spot on her. Uh, you laid it all out, man. Vidal is not good and i think that we're just getting some recency bias here on the ramona pasquale side that she's on a two-fight losing streak you know the the wide consensus here on her or at least the narrative on her is that she's not that good but she's probably good enough to beat a girl like damaris vidal like even her wins are sketchy like she 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 beat eileen perez because of the dq you're talking about the the grammy or sorry the academy award worthy yep. performance that she put on that night um but even the fight after that against uh, Kaylee uh, Braga, I believe her name is, it's the last win that she has on her record. She's getting pieced up by this boxer. And then halfway through the second round, she finally decides to take this fight to the ground. And she uh, you know, gets that top mount and gets the heel hook. She couldn't even finish from on top. She gets the heel hook. And yes, of course, look at fucking Ramona Pasquale right there. Girls in shaking. Looking phenomenal looking in great shape like this is a do or die spot for her you know like if she goes out there I like lose this fight too, man she, she's out of here so go out I, there and I like fight. betting on the back against the wall spots it seems like yeah. these fighters do more often than not dig deep and keep their job you know what i mean yeah like it depends on the fighter and like you know uh, the, yeah. the, the the you know their uh their, their iq in a sense and i feel like ramona you know she used to do like TED talks and shit for like motivation speaking or motivational speaking or something like that. So you got to believe that she's ready to go uh, and, and fired up to do the damn thing. I like her in this spot better, you know, more output on the feet, more volume. Uh, and then even on the, and the grappling, I think she can remain competitive enough to stay safe and win this one. So yeah, I love the underdog shot to start off the card. I, I also just can't see where this girl follows the game plan that it takes to beat Ramona. You know what I mean? Like what we've seen is successful is, Lots of footwork, lots of jabs, run around the outside. Like, that's not how Vidal fights. Like, that's no. just not how Vidal fights. So worst case scenario, 
we get like a split decision, and I want to be on the dog for that anyway. Best case scenario, Ramona's bigger, stronger, and mulls her in the clinch. So, yeah, yeah man, her Glad striking style, it, her striking style is shit though. It's literally just an overhand right. Like that's all that's it, it is. That's she, all she's got. It was a couple kicks. That's <laughs> about it. Ramona should be able to stay more active and win this one. What else you got? What what, what else are you on your? So, uh, what else I'm on is live betting the uh, Flyers and Maple Leafs over five and a half. Two goals <laughs> ripped off in the first period right Let's after go. locking that bad boy in. So, feels go. feels good to get over that hump there. Good number we're looking at. All right. Shout out to our guy, uh, Tronoke, here saying great start to any May I add? Let's go. Uh, you go. know what? Everybody knows how bad my MMA year has been, Locke. My NHL season start has actually been pretty phenomenal. So, Let's like, go. Um, Paying the bills with NHL these days. I'm about to start a new <laughs> podcast and talk hockey instead. <laughs> diehard no NHL podcast. Fights. That's right. The <laughs> diehard NHL podcast instead. Um, I did a parlay for my next one, man. I, okay. I did uh, Jake Hadley. <clears throat> pardon me. Did Jake Hadley, and I'm locking him up with Mario Bautista. Uh, okay. Minus 116, I think, is what that came to. And this is just that spot where Contender Series fade came through and worked, fading Jake Hadley. You know, he dropped dropped the ball on the debut. And this yeah. is a guy who I think is going to take that personal. You know what I mean? He, he's got yeah. everyone hyped up. He's got a country behind him. He's supposed to be the next big thing. And he just didn't have the grappling, scrambling transition game that he needed to beat somebody uh, coming out of Charles Oliveira's camp, which you yeah, can't really fault him for. Uh, Nascimento's uh, pretty beastly. I'm not impressed with Carlos Candelario. I think he's basic. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like his fundamentals are solid. His one-two is great but he's not that fast. He doesn't hit that hard and he's got a single leg. That's it. Like that. Yeah. That's what Carlos Candelario brings to the table. I think Jake Hadley can out strike him on the feet. Even if it's even Hadley's going to hit harder. He's got more power. So I think that's going to tilt things in his favor. And if they end up in scrambles, Candelario is not Nascimento. I think Jake Hadley can out scramble this man on the ground. And honestly, Jake Hadley's got that tight squeeze, man. He grabs necks. I wouldn't be shocked if Candelario goes for a single leg and gives up a guillotine or something like that in this spot. So I'm expecting a 15 minute decision, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see like the return of prime Hadley. I just think we're getting a low number because he dropped that first ball. I expect him to get back on track here. And yeah, then Mario let's, Bautista. Let's, let's talk about the Hadley fight real quick. Oh, sure. I, I have thoughts on the, the Bautista fight that I yeah, want to let's show go. as well. We'll talk about the Hadley one. Um, and and I, throw I, comments but, in the chat, guys. Anybody watching yeah, the show, sure. hit the like button. And if you've got <laughs> yes. thoughts and comments, we will talk about your thoughts and comments. Jump on in and join the conversation. Sorry, Absolutely. Look, go ahead. And it would be helpful if it was about the fight that we're talking about. We want we don't want to jump all over the place. Let's try to keep it on topic as much as possible. But in regards to this matchup with Jake Hadley, I do agree with you. I think he wins this fight. My concern comes with you know the the defensive brilliance of Carlos Candelaria, right? Like we saw him uh, pretty much defend everything that Tatsuro Tyra, a similar fighter to Jake Hadley in a certain way, right? Like they're both grapple heavy minded fighters uh, that like to get finishes on the ground. Uh, I, I like what we saw from Jake, the, the un, or sorry, what we saw from Carlos there. The unfortunate part is he was so busy defending, he just couldn't get anything off offensively. And I think that's going to be his issue here with Jake, where Jake is going to be controlling the majority of these positions. I have no doubt that this fight is going to hit the mat, and I think that Jake will be the one that's asserting his dominance. But I just don't know if he'll get the finish. My concern comes 
Like, I want to see the bounce back from Jake here, right? We believe that he's going to be hella motivated, right? We believe that he's going to take that L and be like, fuck, I, I got to come back and show these guys why the fuck the UFC signed me, even though I missed weight on the contender series. I need to remind these guys. And I want to see that out of him first before I back him again at chalk myself. Um, yeah, I, I like I him that. as the pick. I don't have the confidence myself to to parlay him, uh, but I did parlay somebody else with Mario Bautista. But please share your Mario Bautista thoughts first, and then uh, I'll let you know who I parlayed him with. Okay, so yeah, we're on the same page here. We're both parlaying the man up. Um, my parlay second leg is uh, Bautista over Benito Lopez. And man, 10 and 1. 10 and two, like this is going to be a hell of a fight. I, I can't wait to see this one. I'm so, so questioning where Benito Lopez is at mentally though, man. He just, he's had so many injuries. He's had long layoffs, multiple broken legs. He's tall. He's lanky. Now he's getting a, you know, a career going outside the cage, which don't get me wrong. Like I know they got to put food on the table and stuff like that. So I'm not like holding it against him <laughs> that he uh, went out and got some other source of income after this kind of a layoff. But I'm extremely concerned about the fact that it looks like he's training at a hole in the wall instead of a big gym anymore. And now he looks like he's not focused entirely on, you know, his MMA career. And after a long layoff, multiple injuries, like I said on my podcast, man, I would not be shocked if he lays the gloves down if he loses on Saturday. Like it could be one of those things where this man just is not. He, his heart is not in MMA anymore. We'll find out on Saturday. So it's a bit of a narrative that I'm taking here on this one. But if you want to talk about the technical stuff, first off, Bautista's a beast. We know his head is in it right now. He likes to come forward. He likes to swing heavies. That grappling game is on point. He can match flying knees with Benito Lopez. And what we've seen from uh, Benito is he doesn't really like that heavy boxing pressure. So if you come forward and you swing, you know, bombs with the hands on him, it really messes up his timing, his distance, stuff like that. I, I think Mario Bautista can back him up, pressure him, make him uncomfortable. And, you know, if they grapple, I, I think Bautista probably has the advantage when it comes to the grappling. But there's so many questions about Benito Lopez being gone for the amount of time he is. I sometimes like to back fighters that are young and they get these big uh, breaks like he's taken, except the injuries. Like, that's the big thing for me here is that it's like he got a job outside MMA and he's hurt all the damn time. Like, is he really improving? Like how much is he in the gym? We don't really know. So like, I, I'm going to take my opportunity here to fade the guy. Cause uh, the one time that we've seen him lo lose, he has been finished. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to back the guy that's more proven right now. I'm going to back the guy that's streaking right now. The guy that's been active. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I, I like the the approach that you're taking there as well. The, the question mark for me is like, what kind of Benito are we actually going to get? And I saw what you're talking about in, return, in regards to his uh, second income stream now. He's uh, a real estate agent, right? He just got his real estate uh, license uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and it seems like that, like, it seems like he's shifting and ready to start the other end of his career or at least the, the back end of his career now. And you don't want to be doing that against a killer like Mario Bautista, man. Bautista is in it to freaking win it. Like the guy, uh, he looks in phenomenal shape. Um, obviously, you know, the one slip up that he had against Trevin Jones outside of the Corey Sandhagen short notice uh, spot that he lost, you know, that, that one was one where he almost finished Trevin Jones himself. Like that's something, yep. uh, you know, he was close to getting done there. Benito with that outside lanky movement with his kicking style and his unorthodox blitz, every now and then to close that distance with his one twos. That's where my slight concern lays. Like 
beginning of the week, I thought Mario Bautista was going to be my lock of the night play. Like I was that confident in him pre-tape. And then after running the tape, I was still confident in him. But like Benito has such a weird style that I can't really go five units deep against a guy like this who, you know, maybe he takes this time off and there's something different with it. What if he tried to revolutionize or sorry, evolve his game into something completely different. And then we're in there against a guy that we weren't expecting. And then I'm going to be biting my tongue like, fuck, like I, I shouldn't have gone five units deep on this spot. I went two units. I like him for all the reasons that you laid out, all the reasons that I laid out. I went two units on this parlay. I got him around minus 225, I believe. Um, Before the number jumped, I believe he's around that minus 270, minus 280 range now. I ended up parlaying him with Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson is a spot that I feel like is a is a decent uh, parlay piece. I think he was around minus 230 as well. But uh, just a younger, more athletic, closer to his peak version of Mark Madsen, right? Like, great grappler, probably better pure jiu-jitsu, probably a better striker. Like, Mark Madsen has been getting away with the meat and potatoes of MMA against guys like Vince Pichel and Clay Guida, right? Like, he's developing his striking game. He's not so desperate like he was earlier in his MMA career to get fights to the ground. And that's allowed him to be successful later on in his career. But I don't think that style or like, I don't think he's going to be able to land that takedown with three minutes left in the third round to secure the fight like he did against Vince Michelle. Like, I don't think he has that out here against a guy who will likely be in it the entire time in Grant Dawson. Now, Grant, I used to think that this was a guy that used to have horrible cardio. And you can understand why, right? Like the Rick Glenn uh, uh, split decision, uh, not split decision, sorry, draw there. Um and other fights where we clearly see him slowing down. But like the Jared Gooden fight or the Jared Gordon fight was a big eye opener for me. Like Jared Gordon is a guy that I think has very good cardio, very good pace, very good pressure. And Grant Dawson gave it to him in that third round. Didn't get the first takedown, didn't, didn't get the second takedown. Eventually got that third and fourth one. And then he was able to find the back and get that submission show or submission finish. So I think that this is a great matchup for him to go out there and just showcase what Mark Madsen would look like had he gotten into the game 10 years prior. That that is Grant Dawson. He's on his way to his peak. Thirty-eight year old year old uh, Marco Madsen is on the way out, in my opinion. Great win in his last run. You know he, he's been on a good run over the last couple of fights. But I think that this is going to be his toughest test, and this will likely be the end of the road for him. Curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah. First off, real quick, shout out Rips and Picks. Uh, saying as a mortgage professional myself, no one gets into this biz to kill time. He's taking time away from training to succeed in real estate. I like that. I like uh... that, man. Shout, shout out to everybody uh, hanging out here, listening to the show. We appreciate you guys tuning in. So I have a similar thought process for you uh, as you against Marco Madsen here. But once again, Locke, this is that spot for me where I have been unsuccessful fading this man. Like Mark Madsen just <laughs> keeps on getting the damn thing done for me. Like, or against me. Sorry. Like, I actually bet Vince Pichel thinking, you know what? This I was is there a too. big, strong, powerful man who we know has a great gas tank. And we've seen signs of Mark Madsen kind of slowing down a little bit in fights because he does everything with power. And I think I took the shot with uh, Austin Hubbard. I don't believe I bet Clay Guida against him. but So I bet against him twice now. And both times, he's just managed to get it done. What I've noticed about Mark Madsen is he just digs deep, man. Like, that's all it comes down to. He's one of these Olympic-level wrestlers. He knows how to, you know, win a fight. He knows how to pace himself. And even if he does blow his wad a little bit, he'll take two minutes off and just stay safe and catch his breath and then come back and do what he needs to do to get the win. I love Grant Dawson as much as everybody else does. I do not trust this number. 
I don't like how wide mm. this is. Minus 215, it looks like, for Grant Dawson. Plus 185 for Mark Madsen. I would more lean on, like, the over at minus 200. I don't think Grant Dawson finishes Mark Madsen. He's mostly been a decision machine himself. I mean, he, he does have a lot of, like, ground and pound and submission type of wins in his past, but at the UFC level, except that Gordon fight, who, let's face it, in my opinion, Gordon Gordon's a fade guy for me. I know a lot of people like him. I know a lot of people uh, try to back him and stuff like that, but he's too small for 155. Uh, he's a guy that I think belongs kind of in the middle. Uh, if they had, like, a 150, he'd be at home in that kind of a spot, but he can't make way to weight class down, so he has to fight up at 155. I think that's the kind of guy, you know, Grant Dawson should beat and should finish and should outpace. Man, I don't I don't know if he can go physical for physical with Mark Madsen. I think Grant Dawson probably does have a slight striking edge, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Madsen is able to take this man down and be in top position like he usually is because he's a fucking monster of a wrestler and he's training it fight ready. So like he's working with the absolute best minds and best grapplers in the game right now. So I'm high on Grant Dawson like everybody else is. I'm not touching this one, man. It, it, I wouldn't, if I get like a weird, crazy number, which I don't expect to get, I would look at Mark Madsen by decision. I think the over two and a half at minus 200 is probably the way I would look over uh, picking a side. I'd rather play over two and a half than lay the money line with Grant Dawson personally. Man, I, I'd honestly be stuck. Like, I could see this being a competitive matchup for about a round and a half. That's about it. And then I think Grant Dawson will likely start to take over. But the reason we see, like, the reason we see uh, uh, Mark Madsen get his hand raised against Vince Michelle, he lands a takedown late in that fight. But he's going to be going up against some legit resistance. Like, I'm surprised that Vince Michelle just laid on his back for the last three minutes of that fight. I expect some, you know, reversal attempts, some get-up attempts from Grant Dawson not to just stay on his back for those last three minutes. Against Clay Guida, he just soundly outstrikes him throughout that matchup. Like, he's just an energizer. Or, sorry, uh, Clay Guida is just an energizer, but he's just getting popped every now and then, and he's just not doing anything in return. Uh, I'd be surprised if uh, Grant Dawson gets sucked into any of those. And man, I don't know why off the top of my head, I was thinking that Austin Hubbard actually survived the early onslaught and finished him late. I don't know why that was in my head. I just recall, <laughs> I think it was a third down, third round beat down though, right? Like he actually got a, a good round off on Madsen and almost finished him in that third round. But yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on in my head to even bring that up. Uh, in, in regards to your next bet, how many, is that all you have? You only have the two bets so far or you got more action? I do have one more that I've locked in here. Let me get this up real quick so I can remind myself of the exact number that I got on this thing. Um, the other spot that I really like on this card, and frankly, folks, like this is probably going to be a short show lock. This is a bad card. Like When it comes to betting stuff, yeah. this is a really sloppy card. I think kind of like last week, there's probably some like crazy prop opportunities once those prop numbers drop. But from a side and total perspective, like... These are not the types of fighters you want to trust and really like get your money down on type of situation. They're not trustworthy enough for that. So I'm treading lightly. Um, the next bet that I did make though is Shailan Norton, Becky, Derek Minner under two and a half minus one twenty. Uh, I went three point six units on that one, man. I wow. like this spot. I like this spot. Interesting. Please, we are getting we are getting numbers on this that we shouldn't get because people think these guys are decision machines. And somebody actually like tweeted that at me when I tweeted it, that they were like, 
aren't these don't these guys go to decision all the time like why are you betting the under it's like no they don't in fact Derek Minner specifically like people think he's a decision machine because Ryan Hall has no offense and is incapable of finishing him and he is incapable of finishing by submission Charles Rosa those are the only two reasons those fights went to decision every other fight that this man has been in is a early round two finish or a round one finish he either taps people out extremely quickly in the first or he runs out of gas dies trying and his opponents are able to just take apart this helpless man that doesn't have anything left to offer shylon nordbecki the positions he was given up to tj brown let me promise you man if he gives up those spots to Derek minner he's tapping like you cannot have Derek minner in control positions on your back reversing you sweeping you things like that he will submit you if you give him that opportunity. So I think there's finish upside on Derek Minner, obviously, early. And then Shai Lan, on the other hand, this guy's got solid submission game himself. He also knows how to ground and pound people. Like, he's such a big, powerful wrestler. When he gets on top of people, he just goes ham, raining down punishment from top position. So once you get Derek Minner tired, Shai Lan's not going to have a problem either submitting or breaking him with ground and pound i'm i'm on violence for this one lock that's it i i don't see how frankly i don't see how either of these guys wins by decision because the only way the only way i can see this fight going to decision is if shailan completely gasses himself doing stupid shit and then only lays on top of Derek. whereas like both guys are exhausted to the point they can't do anything and Shailan is just like, fuck, give me a minute. And just like lays on him with that massive back of his and stifles him. That's the only way this thing makes it to the judges' scorecards. Because Derek Minner is a finisher. Like this guy throws heavies. He does everything it takes to get it to the ground once it's there. He transitions. He rolls. He scrambles. He forces you to move. Catches you in a mistake. Like that's that's what this guy does. And I don't think Shailan is some uber incredible wrestler. And I think that Derek Minner is a better grappler than TJ Brown is. So if he can lose position to someone like TJ Brown, he can lose position to someone like Derek Minner. Um, I'm seeing finishes all over the place on this one. It's either going to be a round one Derek Minner sub, or it's going to round two uh, show you long TKO in my opinion. Man. Uh, I don't share the same sentiments in terms of like being so down with the with the violence here like i get the Derek minner approach right like i think he's only been to three decisions in his entire career if i'm not mistaken the guy either goes out there and finishes or he gets finished himself outside of the uh, last couple of fights that you talked about and then on the shy elon side yeah you see a lot of finishes sprinkled throughout his regional scene run but like how good are those guys we don't know any of those guys other than uh, a, a couple names that stick out but like for the majority of those names it's just like are they are they just guys they just picked out of the crowd? Are they guys with legitimate experience? Like I see very minimal experience on a lot of those records. And now that he's fighting guys that are better or possibly better than his regional scene, now he's forced to go to full 15 minutes. And against a guy like Derek Minner, sure, the Minner early finishes live. But are we guaranteeing that Shailan is going to turn up the gas or turn up the the volume in rounds two and three to actually get him out of there? That's where my concern lays. That's where I'm like, okay, I'm not betting him minus two hundred. I'm thinking about him via decision, but still, like he seems like one of those guys that might go in on a desperation takedown and get his neck caught up. Like that's exactly. absolutely possible. Exactly. Like I can see that angle. <laughs> But I'd rather take, you know, a minor submission at that point in time. But you're covering that base as well, just in case. Exactly. So I, I could see that angle. But 
don't know, man. I'm going to go Shailon decision. I'll be praying for you, bet, but uh, <laughs> I, I have no action myself on that uh, that matchup. That is the last bet that you currently have. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. uh, that's the last bet that I've got as of right now. So unless right. if you've got other bets, let's run through those and talk yeah. about them and we can talk about the action that we're like on the fence about or whatever. Or yeah. if people in the chat have questions, we can hit those. Um, Hafrican asking if we've got any Cage Warriors exposure. I don't. Personally, I've got yeah. nothing on Cage Warriors. So nothing sorry, else. man. Shout out, to, shout out to my guy, the Hafrican. Uh, steady busy in my discord as well keeping that shit live appreciate my guy there um there are some names that i believe we might recognize from cage warriors though uh, let me just quickly bring it up here to see if we can uh oh wait never mind this is a england card i thought it was one of those ones where they're over in california all right uh let's get to my bets so we already talked about my bautista and dawson parlay that's two units at plus 102 uh i got one unit on ramona pasquale at plus 135 i got three more bets clint so let's talk about them. Uh, main sorry. event. I got. I went two and a half units here on Marina Rodriguez at minus two ten. I think that she is just the better fighter overall here. Uh, I believe her durability is good enough to kind of withstand that early onslaught from uh, Amanda Lemos. And then as Lemos starts to slow down, I think we'll see Marina. You know, maybe pick it up a little bit, but at least she should be able to win those. You know, third, fourth, and fifth rounds should we need it. Can she get a late finish? I think it's absolutely possible. Fully depends on if she, you know, is willing to go out there and, and actually put it on the line. But uh, I think she's the more disciplined striker. You know, she doesn't blow her wad early going. She throws in combinations. She stays busy. Uh, you know, she's nasty in the clinch. Amanda Lemos, a lot of her win condition comes in that early going, that round and a half. This is her first five-round fight as well, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know if she has the gas to go the full uh, 25 minutes here. Add into, you know, I think both of them actually got stranded in Brazil, but we know that usually Amanda Lemos has a very tough cut down uh, to 115 pounds. So I don't know how this travel uh, detour is going to affect her in that aspect, but if anything, I think I would like it for Marina Rodriguez just a tad bit more. So yeah, just hoping for not an early finish. I know a lot of people are saying that you can just jump in on Marina live going into round two, but there's a possibility that she could win round one as well. And then you're stuck with the minus 300, minus 400 line going into round two. So I just, you know, I didn't parlay her. I just went straight up uh, two and a half units minus 210. Quick thoughts on the main event. What are you thinking? Yeah, it would be Marina or pass for me. The problem yeah. is, I again kind of feel like maybe this line is a little too wide. Like, even if she does get the win, it's probably not going to be as easy as we would expect it to be. Um, the big question marks with Marina for me, and I'm a Marina truther. Like, she's my dark horse of the division. Like, I think she's going to challenge for a title sooner than later. Um, she has no urgency off her backlog. If she gets taken down, and her takedown defense is not stellar or anything to write home about, she just doesn't get up. Like, she is more than content to, like, neutralize her opponent and lay there on her back and let an entire round slip away. That's concerning to me, even in a five-round fight. You know, going up against a Brazilian in Limoche, we know she doesn't go to her grappling chops all that often, but they're there. You know, yeah. we saw in her last yeah. fight, you know, she won by submission. So she may bring some of that back here in this spot. And she's such a physical, explosive, beastly type of woman that, she can power double leg Marina all day. And then if she gets to sit on top of her for two or three minutes and reload that gas tank, I don't see why she can't make it five rounds, you know, because she won't be. It's not like Marina Rodriguez is the type of fighter to make you work when you're on top of her. She'll be able to yeah. rest and, and get that gas tank back, you know, 
going the way she needs it to. Now I can absolutely see uh African talking in the chat about the later round props uh, for Marina Rodriguez. She cranks it up. She gets better the longer the fight goes. So I like that. I don't mind those late finish props whatsoever. Uh, but at the same time, we've seen nothing but Marina Rodriguez being tough and being durable and, I'm not questioning her at this point, man. I know she's a little bit older, but she's by far the more physical of the two fighters. And she's only 35. So, like, she's older, but not, like, ancient. So, I'm not ready to write her off or anything like that yet. I just think this is a tough stylistic matchup for Marina. Because if she gets, man, if she gets clocked once or twice with those big power shots and suddenly is not, like, opening up with her volume like she usually does... All of a sudden, we got a really close technical striking matchup and then a girl with a pretty clear grappling edge. So... It's a dog or pass spot for me. I haven't bet it, but I, so I'm kind of just kind of waiting to look and see what happens with this line. Um, I would be kind of tempted to, I'll be honest, man, like I hate going against you. I would be tempted to tail some like reverse line movement. Like if we see everyone piling in on the favorite side and this line starts ticking down, like I, you know, I'll be like, ooh, like maybe we get in on that. You, you so, pulled the old switcheroo on me there, Clint. You, you started off by saying, I thought this was a Marina or pass fight. And now you're ending the breakdown by saying, you know, what? I think it's a dog or pass situation. Did well, you just talk yourself into a Amanda Lemos bet? I kind of did. Like that's what I'm not. And that's why I haven't bet it locked. That's why yeah. I haven't bet it because I'm like, I think the line is too why at the end of the day my brain tells me that marina rodriguez is gonna win this fight but fuck it might be close i don't want to be yeah. minus 200 deep on her you know what i mean like that's that's how i feel about this fight i feel like uh you, your butt might be puckered when the judges read their decisions at the end of this one so i'm just i'm just gonna let it fly at this point we'll see if my opinion changes after you know weigh-ins i want to see how she looks with that tough cut i want to see how they size up with each other um but at this point, I'm just going to leave it alone and I'll wish you luck. This kind of reminds me of like the, the Dustin Jacoby and Khalil Roundtree fight the last week. In the fact that we know that there's that knockout threat from the one side and that finishing threat from the one side. But should the fighter that you're betting on, in my case, Jacoby, in this case, this weekend's case, Marina, if they can survive that early onslaught, I feel like they can really start to pull away with it down the stretch. Now, you can't really account for bullshit judging and, you know, fight, uh, got your hand raised, man. fights uh, go the other way, but hopefully judges mm. won't be required here. And Marina could possibly get this done in the late rounds as well and cash those late round tickets. Um, other spots here that I got, I got two more money line spots. So I'd love to get your thoughts on. I'm going in on Neil Magny here. One and a half units minus one Oh nine. I know a lot of people are thinking that, you know, he's, he's fallen off the horse. You know, he's on the back end of his career. Uh, you know, people want to go on the hot hand on Daniel Rodriguez. But I think stylistically speaking, Neil Magny is one of the best guys to rely on when he has that that perfect stylistic matchup. And what I mean by that is guys that are likely not going to grapple him, right? He always yeah. falters against guys that are going to grapple him. Shavka Rachmanov, Rafael Dos Anjos, Michael Chiesa, the list goes on. Guys that are significantly better technical strikers than him. Santiago Ponzinibbio is the only one recently that was able to defeat him, right? Uh, way back when they fought in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio chipped away at his legs for four and a half rounds until he eventually landed a big punch to finally knock him out. Uh, and then Lorenz Larkin back at UFC 202 was able to finish him in the clinch with some nasty elbows. Daniel Rodriguez's striking is not that bad. Don't get me wrong. He throws in combinations. He moves well. That's it. But 
I think that tempo and that style and that pace that Neil Magri brings is going to be tough for Daniel Rodriguez to keep up with. When it gets into the clinch, you know, the dirty uh, boxing, the dirty clinch work that Neil Magri does, very good. Uh, his movement, his cardio, his ability to just keep moving forward and put you in uncomfortable positions. I think he's usually reliable to go out and beat a guy like Daniel Rodriguez. Now, am I... Am I concerned that Max Griffin was able to drop Neil Magny? Because that seems to be the big narrative going into this week. Everybody's scared that Daniel Rodriguez knocked down Neil Magny. Now that means Neil Magny is shit. No. He got clipped one time. Give the guy uh, a break. Not to mention, did he get clipped? But he still came back and won the rest of that fight. That is an ultra-veteran. That guy still went out there and did his job, stuck to the game plan, and got his hand raised. I'm fully expecting him to do the same thing here. Daniel Rodriguez, not a big finisher, you know what I mean? Not, you know, he's not finishing guys left and right. He's not a big puncher that we need to worry about, nor is he as fast as Max Griffin, which is what I believe the reason was as to why Griffin was able to drop Neil Magny in their fight. He has none of those concerns. Just put out the output, put on a Neil Magny-type fight, go out there and get the dub. I went one and a half units at minus 109. I believe the line is still around that. Pick him minus 115-ish. I really like him in this spot. What are you thinking? This is one that I may join you on, Locke. Uh, Neil Let's Magny's go. my guy. Neil Let's Magny's go. my guy. Like he is, uh, he he's a good soldier, man. Like you yeah. always know exactly what you're getting from Neil Magny. Same fight game plan every single time. And you touched on a big point that he does well when they don't flip the script grappling on him. Daniel Rodriguez has got a decent little submission game on him, but he doesn't wrestle. This guy never looks to take anybody down. He's basically a Diaz bro. What's up, Dream? Skull is right. Let's hey. go. <laughs> hey, got TJ Hawkinson, baby. Like, we're looking good now. <laughs> um, so I, I think this is a spot where a lot of people are looking back and being like, man, he just got blown through. Like, yeah, he got ran over by Shavcat, man. A lot of people yeah. are going to get run over by Shavcat. That's not, that's not what this man does. That's not how D-Rod fights. So I, I think Neil Magny can find a way to slow the pace. I think he can drag this fight to the deep waters where he likes it. And it wasn't too long ago that we saw D-Rod get absolutely shut down by freaking Dalby, man. Like, if Nicholas Dalby can slow this man down, why can't Neil Magny do the same thing to him? So I, I think Neil Magny's the side here on this one. I know this one is kind of the Twitter Civil War of the week. I know a lot of is hard it? opinions. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of people with Twitter strong stances on both sides. <laughs> Um, yeah. I would definitely be leaning towards the Neil Magny side minus 120. I don't mind that price tag either. So that's the way I'd look. I'm tempted to jump in on the favorite side. It's favorite to pass for me. It's Magny or nothing. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up the Nicholas Dalby fight, man. Like that, that's a perfect example of like what movement kicks from the outside and as, you know, as close to a comparison to Neil Magny that we'll get from a past Daniel Rodriguez uh, uh, guy, right? Like you're not getting Mike Perry exchanging with you in the pocket. You're not getting fucking Lee Jing Leong exchanging with you in the pocket, even though you probably likely deserve to lose that fight. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm always happy to go out there and, and put my balls on the line for Neil Magny because I think that he's one of those more reliable guys. You know, he's the male Catelyn Chukagian. We know what we're going to get every time those two go out there and fight. And in most spots, if they match up perfectly uh, with their opponent, they come out with their hand raised. And I think that's what we're getting here with Neil Magny. All right, last one here, Clint, that I got. This one might be a little bit of a... You, you smoking some crack, man, Preet? You might be asking me that, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going one unit 
plus 194 on Ludovic Shalinian. Now, Johnny Munoz Jr., I'm a fan of the guy, right? Big BJJ experience. He's a BJJ ace, if we want to say that. Uh, he needs to get fights to the ground to really have success. But if he can't, Ludovic Shalinian will likely be the more aggressive striker, will be the one pushing the pace, staying in his face, throwing punches, landing punches, and be more comfortable in the boxing range, right? I think that he can march him down and really get to him. Compared to Johnny Munoz Jr., his striking is mainly like just kicks from the outside. You saw him throwing one-twos against Jamie Simmons, but that's because he has a sizable height and reach advantage in that matchup. Ludovic is actually a inch taller than Johnny Munoz Jr. He's actually going to be able to control this fight from that, that range, in my opinion. And I think that his grappling is good enough that he can kind of fend off most of the takedowns and grappling approaches here from Munoz and probably just march him down and touch him up on the feet. Talk about a guy that's also coming off from defending his fucking country, Clint. He gave up a matchup against Nathaniel Wood back in March because of the whole Ukraine-Russia war. He left or, or he pulled out of that fight so that he can go to Ukraine and help out his fellow countrymen. Now he is back. I'm assuming he's back with a vengeance. And uh, this is a great spot for him at plus 194, in my opinion. Big, big plus money number on him in a, in a matchup where I think uh, it should fare well for him. What are your thoughts? Frankly, I don't hate it. Um, I like I like the other side here in general. I had a tough loss on Johnny Munoz when I tried to fade my guy uh, Gravely. You know, I'm, oh. I'm another uh, Tony Gravely hater. And I thought that <laughs> this man had the exact tools that you would need to beat Tony Gravely, except he left his chin out taken, you know, going for a takedown and died with a single punch. So that wasn't fun. Um but I do expect that he's going to pose a lot of people problems with that style. He's got slick BJJ, and that's really kind of the big thing that I think I would lean on here is uh, the Shaolinian. Like I, the only thing with Shaolinian is I'm not sure he's not a fraud. Mm -hmm. Like I can see him. I know he's got a strong wrestling background. I could see him getting on top of Johnny Munoz Jr. and just like sitting on his chest for 15 minutes and just being the better wrestler here and staying safe. But damn, man, you look at his record, and I know he went one-on-one one on the Ultimate Fighter. He's got five debuting fighters on his record lock. Five. Five of his nine yeah. wins are 0-0 guys. I'm like, shit, are we sure this guy's UFC caliber? That's my only thing. Now, Jack Shore, he was injured in that fight, so it looked a lot closer than it probably should have if we were getting a 100% healthy Jack Shore. I think that fight plays out differently. But at the same time, I am done with Johnny Munoz until I see some improvement from him. I think he's almost a Derek Minner type for me at this point. He's got a wicked jujitsu. I think he can choke out pretty much anybody. And if you're giving me a guy that's going to grapple with him, I might look to play a sub prop getting a minus 200 favorite at like a plus 350 plus 400 sub price. That'd be more the way that I'm looking. I think I'm picking the favorite to win, but it's not with any confidence. And whenever a situation rises up like that, you know, for me, it's dog or pass, right? Like if I, if I feel like I can't confidently lay a price with a favorite, then that means the underdog is live. And I think Ludwig Shalinian is probably live, especially by decision. If you want to take him grappling, I don't think he's got the striking chops to really hurt uh, Johnny Munoz unless his chin is just completely demolished. I think it's going to be a, a ground-based fight. So either sub for Munoz, decision for Shalinian. I respect and don't mind the shot. 
Yeah, uh, just touching on those debuting fighters that he fought, like he's he's over there in Ukraine at that point of his career, right? Just fighting the guys that they're giving to him. He finally moves over to the states, and uh, you you see him finally take on a, his first fight. You know, uh, uh, fucking Vince Cashero. Actually, he did have a Bellator fight as well, but when he fought in LFA, Vince Cashero beats him. Split decision, but he went out there and he grinded him out in those second and third rounds after having a tough first round. The guy's tough. The guy's a gamer. The guy's going to push it. That's all I want. This guy will fight for my money. I know he's going to pressure him the majority of this matchup and uh, will hopefully give me good enough value on this plus 194 underdog. I have one spot that I haven't bet yet that I'm looking to bet still. I will likely end up pulling the trigger now that it's you know widely available and still likely around the number that I like. Uh, I like the Jinyu Fry Poliana Vienna under two and a half at plus 200. Uh, I, just the way mm. Vienna fights, she's just very chaotic. She's very reckless. Like she got kind of muzzled against uh, Tabitha Ricci, who's a, you know, just as good of a BJJ practitioner, was able to get her to the ground and grind her out. Jinyu Fry, yes, she could stay safe at times from on top, but like given how active uh, Poliana can be, I think she could catch her, right? Kay Hansen was able to catch Jinyu Fry late in that fight. Pulley out of Vienna is always going to be going for it. You know, whether it's whether if it's an arm bar off her back, whether it's her throwing crazy strikes on the feet, she's going to bring the fight. And a plus 200, I think that's a steal of a line considering what she brings to the table here. And considering that Fry, like, she likes clean fights. She's not getting a clean fight here. This one's going to get chaotic. This one's going to get dirty. And I think that Vienna likely pulls off either a submission here or she ends up getting finished herself from being a little bit too reckless. So, uh, yeah, what do you think? Under two and a half, plus 200. I'm not so sure. I might go anti-violence on this one, Locke. I might lean the other way on this one. I can see it. I know exactly what you're saying. But at the same time, Jinyufra uh, is so tough. Like, I know she got she got tapped in the third round. But at the same time, we don't see her get finished all that often and frankly i don't know how much finishing offense she has to bring to the table i know she's got that like big left hand on her but she's only got what two tko wins in her whole career and now she's 37 years old like i I just don't know that she's gonna be i don't know that she's gonna be able to actually ko someone like pollyanna viana viana's She's pretty tough, and especially if you get her on her back and she's, like, working from bottom. How many times have we seen her give away a decision? Tabitha Ricci, Hannah Cyphers, J.J. Aldrich, like, she'll just coast. Like, I, I don't know that, and even back on the regional scene, this uh, Eileen person that she lost to back in 2014, like, she'll take that bottom position, stay safe, try to look for subs, but if she can't get them, she'll just stay there. So I, I can almost see this fight being a classic grindy, genuine fray spot, but I think with, like, the improving of a young fighter in Pollyanna, I could see her having some improved striking chops. Lock, I'm looking at the split decision for this one. Plus 400 <laughs> for this bad ga- bad boy to be a split decision. Low-level women's MMA, one walking forward, throwing a hammer repeatedly, the other one backing up and kicking the calf and doing nothing of you know importance or damage. Like, give me a split, man. I, I think this one's going all 15. And I was this close like hammering Pollyanna Viana. I was like, this is the oh, one. Wow. This is the one, man. And then I did the tape and I was like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> so I, 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 I don't hate just, it. I, I'm just going to pass on this one. If anything, it's a, a degenerate split decision sprinkle, but I, I could see this one being very competitive, very close. You always have the sub of Pollyanna Viana. That arm bar triangle that she works from is wicked. So you're not dead. I'm not saying you got no chance. Oh, I'm not. I'm not I letting this derail me at all. I, I'm I don't see still, how I would likely finishes. go with it. 
I, I don't know. I, I like it here. Um, looking forward to also seeing what the striking exchanges look like because Vienna gets a little bit way too reckless in there, and that might be where Fry might be able to take advantage. Uh, Brandon Olivas in the my chat. Guy Brandon, shout, shout out, out to my guy Jerry. Brandon. That's right. Got to support the Yotes, baby. Big win <laughs> last night. Plus 425 fellow, in regulation. Let's gee, go. Fellow Phoenix boys right there. Um, let's, let's touch upon what the rips and picks and African want to talk about. So my guy African here is saying, thoughts on Prezion versus Sherman. I have a sneaky submission. Fat man Prezion might end up on top and, and Sherman gets flashbacks of when Collier sat on him like a sumo guy. Rips and picks also <laughs> saying any place for the people's main event. And yes, him and African passing the same joint right now. That seems to be the uh, the narrative here. Um, I was close to making a bet on Chase Sherman, who seems to be taking the action right now. You know, he was closer to a pick him earlier this week, and now we're talking about minus 130 on Sherman. So uh, my, my concern here is just Josh Parisian's grappling. Does he look to get him to the ground? And how active is Sherman in terms of getting back to his feet? Like, can we trust it? I don't know. And I'm not all that sold on Parisian, right? Like, on the feet, I think Chase Sherman will likely control the majority of the striking exchanges. I think he'll be able to hit him a lot. He might even be able to knock him out. But it's just the the grappling exchange in this in this matchup that have me all twisted up. Like Persian's top game is not the greatest, but also Chase Sherman's get up game not the greatest either. But you know, it's like pick your poison. Everybody always wants to talk about the like the lowest level fight every fucking week and try to make a bet on it. I was close to making the bet on Chase Sherman. I just can't do it, man. I, I really can't. Well, what are you thinking here? See, it's funny because uh, I was on the flip side. I was close to betting Josh Parisian. Like I'm, I'm looking the other way with uh, old fatty over there. Like I said on my show, man. I think uh, Josh Parisian is what you get if Jared Vandera actually grappled. Like that's <laughs> that, if Jared Vandera would use the grappling that he's got, you would get Josh Parisian. Um, I think Josh Parisian can hang like volume for volume here. And I know everyone's like piling in on Chase Sherman because he finally got a fucking win and he finally got a TKO. Man, he almost quit on himself like four times yeah. <laughs> in the fight with Jared Pantera. Like you could see the moment where you're, I had a bet on Jared. It's like, step on the fucking gas, Jared. <laughs> like he's about to Those go down. Those are the down. worst. Those and are the he, worst. He just refuses to do anything beyond his measured approach. If you give Chase a chance to quit, he will. That's the end of the story for me, man. Like I, if you give this man an opportunity, he will. If you let him work his way back into the fight, he will do that too. Like he's a tough dude. I'm not doubting the fact that he's tough, but as soon as he realizes that it's piling up against him, he'll live to fight another day. So if Jared comes down, not Jared, sorry. If Josh comes out here and takes him down, I think it's going to look a whole lot like the Romanov fight. Now, obviously dealing with massively different calibers of fighters here, but Jared, jeez, uh, I keep, see that they're so similar in my head. I keep, Josh. Jo that sect of heavyweights are all the fucking same. Right? Oh, I know, right? They, they look the same. They fight the same. They're all terrible. Like, so Josh has nasty ground and pound. That's his thing. He's got filthy ground and pound. But the thing with Chase is he's a one hitter quitter knockout loss type of guy he's got four ko losses but you know what he doesn't do a lot lock is he doesn't shell up and get tko'd a lot he doesn't get saved by the ref a lot he's actually tough enough to continue trying to fight and survive in a fight but he gives up that neck i actually do like the sub for josh parisian if you're looking for like a juicy prop bet it's like 10 to 1 or something this week dude's a black belt and he might he might not be a black belt when he's on his back but he's on he's a black belt when he's on top of you 
And if he gets on top of Chase Sherman, that's a whole lot of man that's going to be looking for a neck and the way he punches and elbows. I, I can absolutely see Chase Sherman reverting back to what we've seen before and having him turn his back and give up his neck. Um, I don't mind an underlook in this fight. I mean, it's classic sloppy heavyweights. You might be able to squeeze over that one and a half like we see a lot, but I also wouldn't be shocked if Chase Sherman comes out a lot harder. He's got confidence now, finally got back on the uh, winning streak and another low-level opponent. So we know Chase is dangerous in round one. He he could come out and leg kick and, uh, you know, uh, leg kick, leg kick, head bomb <laughs> Josh here and, and get him out of there early. So I, I don't mind violence in this fight. I would lean to Josh Parisian. I really want to like. I really want to hear the fighter interviews for this one. I, I want to hear where Josh's head is at because if he's got the right path to victory here, if he knows uh, how to win this fight, I, I think he taps him. Man, it's again low level heavyweights. Why do we always suck ourselves into these fucking situations to go out there and try to be right about low level heavyweights? <laughs> because there's a clear path. I think that's what it is. I, for me at least, I think that's what it is because I think. You find a fight and you're like, you know what? If you zoom back and you look at the whole thing, it's a pick em. Cause this guy's better here. This guy's better here. This could happen. This could happen. But when you find that one little angle and that's where I like the sub prop, that's what I'm talking about. That it's such a clear advantage. It's such a clear and easy path for one guy that you're like, he's got a much higher chance of winning if he does that. But then when the fight starts, it's low level shit and he doesn't do it. So like that's, <laughs> that's I, I think that it's a mental thing where like we're thinking yeah. we're finding an edge, but the edge isn't factored in with the rest of the fight. So it, you know, I, I think that's kind of how I get sucked into dumpster diving for these types of fights. But that's why I haven't bet this one. I recognize that this is a low level heavyweight fight and I recognize that uh, Chase Sherman could come out and be the better striker because he is and either win by knockout or decision over Josh Parisian, who's just not very good on the feet. Um, this could be a split decision. This could be a round one finish. Like they, this fight really could go either way, any way you want to write it. Absolutely. I've pretty much run away from the low level heavyweight fat white guy thing. That was my moniker after I was able to pick uh, fucking Jake Collier over Gian Vellante. Everybody was like, oh my God, how did you know Jake was going to win that fight? I'm like, we can't take so much away from him getting starched by Tom Aspinall. Now he's going up against Giovanni. Sorry? Have you seen yeah, John fight? Like, like what, what was like, the last Volante fight you watched? Because yeah, Exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the wide narrative that weekend was John Volante was going to knock out Jake Collier. So, uh, like you said, pull the scope out a little bit and look at the wide, uh, the big picture, and you might be able to find yourself on one side or the other. Uh, Clint, I can't believe, like, this flew by. This yeah. was so much easier and way better, in my opinion, than what we've been trying to do with the Deadlock Podcast in prior weeks. Uh, like, we're about to hit a clean 60 minutes right here just talking about our bets. That's just awesome. Just shooting the shit. No, I like I like it. And I think uh, it gives the people a, an idea of where our heads are at, like the people that yeah. do follow us individually. And, you know, we get to kind of talk through spots that we're uncomfortable with at the moment halfway through the week and stuff. I, I like it. I think that yeah. I think it works. And you guys in the chat, if you think it works, if you like this, let us know. Once the show's over, uh, jump in the chat or not the chat. Sorry, because the chat is the thing. <laughs> we missed the chat. When the show is over, jump in the comments. Let us know if you like us talking more about bets and less about current events and stuff like that and we'll uh we'll keep it rolling i think this is i think this is good i like it i like it a lot too clint we might as well bring this bad boy home yeah everybody this is the dead lock podcast make sure you subscribe here on 
the DLP YouTube channel. Hit the like button for us. We appreciate you guys. And uh, if you like what we're doing, show us some love. We'll keep doing it. That's about all it comes down to. Um, and Preet, I know you've got some stuff coming up later in the week. Everybody knows. I've got some stuff coming up later in the week. Everybody already knows. The people that follow us, they already follow us. So everybody get out there. Kick some ass. Hope you make some money. Hope uh, Stay safe this week, folks. UFC Vegas 64, low-level bullshit. Like, don't unload this week and lose your roles for UFC 281 because it's right around the corner and there's some really sexy spots on 281 lock. Let me tell you, I'm going to piss some people off next week. Good luck <laughs> with all your bets and uh, deadlock army. Dismissed. I almost looted with the wrong hand. That'd be bad. Is there? Wait.